Life's everyday mystery solved. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, What myth persists about goldfish, even though numerous scientific experiments have shown it to be not true? And what is inside a camel's hump? Those are the two questions we'll start with today. And uh, I'm Joe Schwartz. I direct McGill's Office for Science and Society. And uh, every Sunday afternoon, we try to demystify science for you guys. And also post some interesting questions uh, with some thought-provoking answers. So today, what myth persists about goldfish, even though numerous scientific experiments have shown this to be untrue and that uh, we'll follow that up with what is inside a camel's hump and as soon as i get the answers to those we'll replace them by other questions how do you answer 514-790-0800 514-790-0800 but you can also text your questions comments to 514-800 so another week has passed and uh, it's always shocking how quickly these weeks pass by. I always sign off the show by telling you we'll be back same station, same time next week. And then before you know it, that next week is here. <laughs> All right. Well, what has happened this week? Several interesting things. Uh, there was uh, an approval of a new drug for Alzheimer's disease. And uh, I have some questions and comments about that. I mean, there's no question Alzheimer's is a terrifying disease. And uh, there have been no new medications introduced for this for about uh, uh, oh, two decades. So obviously, um, it's certainly welcome and understandable that uh, there should be a lot of uh, interest in any new drug that is approved by any regulatory agency. And in the U.S., uh, this new drug called Aduhelm, Aducanumab is the generic name, was uh, just approved. Well, first let me tell you just a, a little bit about Alzheimer's disease. And that takes us back to 1901, when a 51-year-old patient, uh, who was always referred to in the scientific literature as August D., her second name never was revealed. But anyway, she was uh, admitted to a hospital in, in Germany, and uh, Dr. Alois Alzheimer was the attending physician there. And she was very confused. She had impaired memory, unpredictable behavior. When asked what she was eating after being served pork and cauliflower for lunch, she replied spinach. So obviously there were uh, problems here that um, interested Dr. Alzheimer. And he proceeded to follow her carefully for five years and noting her deterioration. And um, he wondered what was going on in that slowly eroding brain. And when she died, finally in 1906, he got his chance to find out because he was able to do a post-mortem. And he uh, did a microscopic examination of her brain and saw some very peculiar changes. There was sort of a sticky material that deposited in the space between the nerve cells. And uh, there were also these uh, sort of uh, twisted, tiny fibers, at least so it looked like under a microscope. And just a few months after uh, August D. died, 
at a conference in, in Germany, Alzheimer described these neurofibrillary tangles and the senile plaques that have since become the hallmark of uh, Alzheimer's disease. So essentially what happens is that, that this gummy deposit forms in the brain. And in a healthy brain, nerve cells communicate with, <coughs> with each other through the release of these uh, special uh, molecules called neurotransmitters. But that communication is impaired uh, when there are these tangles and these plaques in the brain. And then as these abnormal structures accumulate, nerve cells die, the brain shrinks, mental and physical incapacity sets in. And uh, once autopsies of numerous Alzheimer's patients confirm the presence of these plaques and tangles as the real feature of this disease, uh, obviously questions were raised about uh, what these abnormal deposits are, what they really do, how do they form, etc. Well, it turns out that uh, both the sticky plaques and the tangles result from accumulations of a type of protein called beta amyloid and uh, another one called tau for the neurofibrillary tangles. And just why this happens really isn't clear. Um, there is some genetic disposition, but uh, most patients do not have the genes. Uh, only age has been shown to be a clear-cut uh, risk factor for Alzheimer's uh, disease. And as a further complication, not everyone who has these plaques and tangles in the brain shows symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. So obviously, there's a lot more that needs to be learned about this, uh, uh, this disease. The, the drug that is most often used these days is called Aricept. Donapazil is the uh, generic name. And uh, this increases the uh, synthesis of acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter that is often in short supply in Alzheimer's uh, disease. Anyway, but now we have uh, a new concept because this, uh, the drug that uh, is now being uh, introduced, at least in the U.S., Iduhelm, uh, functions in a different way. This actually dissolves these neurofibrillary tangles and these plaques uh, in the brain. And uh, this is a, a totally new uh, mechanism. However, it has to be pointed out that there's no clear evidence that these plaques are the cause rather than the consequence of the disease. So certainly uh, Dr. Alzheimer did find the presence of these deposits, but it is very possible that these form because of the disease, that they do not cause the disease. What we really need to know with any new drug is whether there is any improvement in, in symptoms. That's the real pertinent question. And uh, really, with this new drug, it, it doesn't look all that good. As measured by tests of cognition and function, the difference between aduhelm and placebo was a fraction of a point on an 18-point scale. Well, it turned out to be statistically significant, but, you know, there's a difference between statistical significance and practical significance. So the question is, you know, we're... Are, Patients who are being treated with this drug are uh, going to see a real improvement in their life. And while there was no improvement in symptoms, there was some slowing of the rate of cognitive and functional decline. But uh, there is, a, of course, another side to this, the, the but, which are the side effects. 
about 18% of patients had uh, what are called microhemorrhages or, you know, bleeds in the brain. And about 40%, a very large number of the subjects who got the approved dose, developed painful swelling in the brain with headaches and dizziness and visual disturbances, nausea and vomiting. So we don't really have a major breakthrough here. We don't have a revolutionary new drug as has been reported by, you know, some of, of the media. What we have is an incremental advance, and uh, there is certainly something positive to this because for the first time, there is a drug that, that dissolves these, these deposits in the brain, which may be the cause of Alzheimer's. But we will just have to wait to see how this uh, uh, works out. Uh, I think that this um, the approval of this drug uh, was more based on on, uh, <clears throat> on the fact that there have been no new drugs approved for Alzheimer's, that patients are very despondent, as are their families. And uh, I think the FDA is trying to give some hope here. Uh, but uh, like I said, we do not have a, a major significant uh, breakthrough. All right, following on, uh, the question that uh, I asked this morning on the, uh, on the trivia show uh, was um, all about tigers and an additive that is used in uh, cosmetics called Cica, C-I-C-A. Well, that is actually short for Centella asiatica, and that's a plant. It also goes by the name tiger grass because supposedly when tigers have a skin injury, they rub against it for its healing properties. Well, like any plant, tiger grass contains many, many compounds, some of which have beneficial effects on reducing skin irritation. And Asiatic acid is one of these. It seems to have some efficacy. So these days, all sorts of cosmetics, ranging from face masks to creams and serums, claim to have skin-repairing effects backed up by references to the scientific literature. But here's the problem. Those references are to studies that have examined the healing of cuts and burns in rats. Whether tiger grass extract has any benefit for human skin is questionable. There's some evidence that oral extracts may help with varicose veins. Uh, this plant is also known as gotu cola. Uh, the plant has been a stable in traditional Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine for many, many uh, uh, years, and it's supposedly good for numerous conditions, including memory problems. And... Uh, the supposed justification here is that apparently elephants eat it, and of course, they are supposed to have great memories. So we have an interesting story here, whether or not tigers really roll around next to uh, the Centelia asiatica plant, and whether that has any healing properties, I don't know. I haven't recently had the chance to interview any tigers. You're listening to The Dr. Joe Show. We'll see what traffic is all about out there, and we'll be right back. Science you can use. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Okay, let's go to Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, Doctor Joe. <laughs> good afternoon. So, uh, I have. A, I think I have the answer for the goldfish question. 
Okay. And that's that they have little to zero memory. That's right. Very good. And this is the myth about goldfish, that they have a memory that doesn't last uh, more than three seconds. And uh, actually, the truth is that their memories can last for a very long time, months. If goldfish are fed at only one side of their tank, for example, they learn to stay only on that side of the tank forever. You know, and so they know their feeding times. And, and also another experiment, they showed that that uh, if pushing a red paddle gains uh, food for them, but a blue one doesn't, then the goldfish learn to push the red and not the blue. And they will continue to show this preference uh, as long as, as, as they live. And yeah. uh, so the question is, you know, where, where does such a myth uh, arise from? And, you know, it's often hard to tell where myths come from, but... Maybe it's out of the, the guilt of some goldfish owners who, you know, keep their goldfish in, in small bowls. And if they think that their memory is only about three seconds, that they don't worry about the uh, uh, fish being bored because they can't remember yeah. that they're in a small bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. So anyway, uh, goldfish are, are actually more sophisticated than people think. Uh, although maybe not more sophisticated than some people. Well, having an right. aquarium as a teenager, I can tell you that my fish used to, whenever I'd go to feed them, they were there. They knew it. Yeah. No, they, they have brains and they have uh, memories. Yeah. So the fact that uh, goldfish can only remember for three seconds is a total myth. Okay. Thanks. And we will now replace that with another uh, question. What is the pull of gravity on an astronaut on the International Space Station relative to what that astronaut would feel on Earth? So what is the ratio of the gravity felt at the uh, space station orbiting above the Earth uh, relative to what would be felt on Earth? Give us a call, 514-790-0800. Uh, there was also one question, uh, one answer texted in about goldfish. Uh, the myth being that uh, they only grow to a certain size depending on the size of their environment. And I, I think that that, of course, is another myth that is, is, is not true. Okay, now, last week, you may remember, someone brought up this uh, business about metals like refrigerator magnets and other such paraphernalia sticking to people's bodies after they were vaccinated. And uh, I said that, you know, while I'm up to date on most of these ignorant statements that are out there, I hadn't heard of that one. Of course, as soon as I started checking into it, now I see it everywhere. And this past week, uh, there were all kinds of reports, uh, most of them referring to Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, uh, an osteopathic physician, uh, who is a, a, a terrible conspiracy theorist uh, and believes that the vaccines are dangerous, doesn't believe in masks, etc. Uh, in, in the U.S., uh, osteopathic physicians are actually real physicians. They graduate from uh, osteopathic college, and they go into the same residency match as other doctors. So they are legitimate physicians, except that they uh, generally specialize in manipulations. 
uh, although it is also true that it's much easier to get into a college of osteopathy than into into medical school so their backgrounds may be somewhat uh, more spotty in any case uh, uh, this dr sherry tenpenny for some bizarre reason was asked to testify in front of the ohio state legislature uh, about questions about COVID and, and, and what to do. And she was there spewing her uh, nonsense about the vaccines uh, killing people and how we're going to have epidemics of people dying because of the, of the vaccine. And then she brought up this business of um, uh, the vaccine uh, having some sort of microchip or something that makes people magnetic. Uh, I mean, this is totally ridiculous. Uh, and of course, people do not become <laughs> magnetic because of this vaccine, uh, which of course doesn't have any microchips that Bill Gates has engineered uh, in there so that somehow he can control the world and that these microchips are activated by 5G towers. Uh, and this is the kind of thing that, that uh, Tenpenny was, uh, was spewing. And of course, if you go on the internet, you see all kinds of people who uh, have uh, various metal objects like keys stuck to their bodies. Well, uh, obviously it is not difficult to fake these pictures. I easily have done that myself. If you go to my Facebook page or, or to uh, our uh, website, you'll see the pictures that I did, which is not very difficult to do to show how you can stick things to your, your body. And also, in, in this um, uh, question period that they had at the Ohio State Legislature, one of her confreres was trying to demonstrate this effect and was trying to stick a key to her neck, but it would not stick. Uh, it was kind of funny to, to, to watch that. Now, in some cases, of course, uh, you really can stick things to the body, but there are scientific explanations for this. It has nothing to do with the vaccine. It has to do with sticking a smooth item onto smooth skin, because when you bring two surfaces very, very close together, uh, so-called van der Waals forces take over. And uh, this happens when the electrons uh, circling one atom on one surface are attracted to the positive nuclei on the other surface. Anyway, there's a, a lot more that can be discussed about van der Waals forces, but this is the reason that you can you know, readily stick something, a smooth object to the, the skin if there's no hair, if the skin is, is very, very smooth. And there are these people who say that they are human magnets because they can demonstrate how they can stick objects to their skin. Of course, you will notice that in whatever video or picture you see of these people, they're always just slightly leaning leaning back because they would lean a little bit forward. Uh, then, of course, gravity would take over. And also James Randi, uh, who, of course, uh, was the scourge of, of, of charlatans, did a, a beautiful demonstration uh, of um, what is really happening to these so-called magnetic people because... When you put a little bit of talcum powder on their skin, then of course nothing can stick. Now, obviously, if they're really magnetic, uh, then the talcum powder should have absolutely no effect, right? If you take a magnet and you put talcum powder on it, it will still attract metals. Uh, 
So Randy did that classic demonstration to show that these people who claim to be human magnets really didn't have any kind of paranormal power. But this business now with the, the vaccines making people magnetic is, is, is just uh, total buffoonery. Uh, but it is enough to scare people from uh, from the vaccine. So people like this uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny are, are doing society a great disservice. And I always find it you know, very difficult to understand as someone who has even a modicum of scientific education, as one would expect someone with a you know degree in osteopathy uh, would have how they can buy into this kind of 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 nonsense and um, but it happens it happens but uh you know who am i to argue with the wisdom of of a bright light in our world like dr sherry tenpenny all right, we're going to take a break here. We're going to check what uh, news we have out there. We'll check in with CTV News. And after that, we'll be right back, hopefully, with some answers to my questions. Your source when you need answers. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Look upon the universe with wonder in your eyes Do you tingle with attention when you're taken by surprise? If a problem should perplex you, does it put your brain in gear? Then you're ready for adventure on the science frontier Let me just remind you that um, every two weeks uh, with my colleagues at the McGill Office for Science and Society we produce a uh, uh, webcast and we discuss current issues in the news and uh, tell you some interesting stories and all of the past episodes are available on on youtube we record everything so you can look back and be informed and entertained so all you have to do is you go to youtube.com slash mcgill oss youtube.com slash mcgill oss and uh, you'll find some interesting stuff there. And you'll also see the pictures that I concocted showing that I have an attractive personality because metals stick to me, and so do plastics. You can take a look at that. And also, uh, do check out our website periodically, which is mcgill.ca slash OSS, because we have thousands of interesting articles there. And of course, every week we add to them and you can sign up for our newsletter that will arrive in your email inbox every Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Let me go to Edward on the line. Hi, Edward. Good afternoon, Dr. Joe. Hi. Hello, Dr. Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, go ahead. It's a question about my my uncle. Yeah, unfortunately, he doesn't speak very good, good English, so I'm calling for him. He has a bit of shortness of breath, uh, like it lasts for about five minutes if he's climbing a flight of stairs. Now, he's due for um, vaccine uh, in a couple of weeks, so he's worried if there's going to be any uh, side effects. Of Look, any time that you have shortness of breath like that, you have to consult a doctor. It yeah. can be many things. It can be minor or it can be serious. Yeah. So this is not, it's not something that, you know, you want to ignore. Right. So you certainly, you certainly have to look, uh, look into that. But yeah. as far as, uh, you know, the vaccine is concerned, 
mm-hmm. I can't think of any reason why there would be any issue with that. Okay. Uh, I mean, vaccines can cause all kinds of side effects, so you know, but but uh, not specifically for someone who's suffering shortness of breath. But that is something that has to be checked out. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell him then. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank let's go to Ryan. Okay, Ryan. Good afternoon. Um, Hi. Very, very second one there. In regards to those magnetized COVID people, uh, they yeah. use keys and their spoons. Uh, keys are usually made out of brass, so they can't be you know picked up by magnets. And the utensils are made out of stainless steel, so it doesn't make any sense either. Well, of course, it doesn't make any sense. And if if you look at my pictures, you'll see that uh, I can even attract plastics. Yes. Um, a while ago, you had a question about a non-powered pump. I never heard what the answer was. About a? A pump that uses no external power. Right. That was a trick question. There's no machine that does not use an external source of power. My, my, uh, because... my answer would have been a capillary action, but I guess you're, my thought was in the wrong direction then. Yeah, yeah, and no, we're asking about machines. We're yeah. asking about machines. What machine uh, can work with a source of power? And oh, okay. I mean, of course, a machine uh, is designed to do work. And any time that any machine does work, you have to have some sort of energy to to do that. So there's no no such thing as a perpetual motion machine. You know, something that doesn't need an input uh, of power. Ah, okay. I appreciate your answer. Oh. All right. Okay, so we still have questions uh, hanging out. What is uh, inside a camel's hump, I asked, and what is the pull of gravity an astronaut on the International Space Station feels relative to what he or she would feel on the surface of the Earth? Okay, you give us a call, 514-790-0800. Now, a lot of people have asked me about Dr. Michael Greger. because his videos and his newsletters are all over the internet, very, very popular. And uh, he, he produces these three to four minute uh, features on a regular basis, and, and most days actually. Uh, I don't know how he is so prolific, but he is. And uh, the science seems to be sound, and the production values of those videos are, are high, and I've been watching them. And uh, every video either spoke about benefits of some plant compound in the diet or the harm caused by some chemical in animal products. So, you know, because this was always the theme, I started to look into Dr. Greger. And it turns out that that, uh, he is a dedicated vegan and, uh, you know, pretty zealous about his, his views. And he promotes veganism with religious fervor and has forged a career speaking on health issues. Uh, you know, he's guested on the Dr. Oz show. And, well, obviously, if you've been on Dr. Oz show, it must mean that you're one of the world's great experts, right? Um, he was also an expert witness. Remember when Oprah uh, uh, was sued by uh, some ranchers because of uh, something that she said, defaming hamburgers? So he was an expert witness there. And you will, so you'll never see Dr. Gregor refer to a study that shows anything positive about meat, but you will see plenty of studies that point out the pitfalls of consuming animal products. So while there is some uh, zealotry here, the studies that Dr. Gregor enthusiastically endorses are indeed from respected journals and merit our attention. But there is some cherry-picking of information. Of course, that doesn't mean that the cherries he picks are rotten. They're fine. 
but there are other trees to pick from that he ignores. For example, eggs are a no-no for Gregor. He refers to Harvard researchers who found that compared to men who hardly ate any eggs, men who ate even less than a single egg a day had a twofold increased risk of prostate cancer progression. The suggestion is that choline in eggs is to blame. Dietary choline is converted in the gut to trimethylamine, which in turn is converted by bacteria to trimethylamine oxide, a substance that can cause inflammation and promote progression of, of cancer. Yes, a possible scenario. But what about the fact that fish is a far greater source of trimethylamine than eggs and is linked to a reduced risk of cancer? Or that intake of whole grains fosters the growth of gut bacteria that form trimethylamine oxide, yet men who eat a lot of high-fiber foods have a low rate of prostate cancer? And linoleic acid, prominent in vegetable oils, favored by Gregor, has been associated with different types of cancer, but you won't hear about those things from him. Gregor also refers to a study that received a lot of press for linking trimethylamine oxide to heart disease. It's not saturated fat or cholesterol that do us in, it's trimethylamine oxide, claims a paper published in New England Journal of Medicine, which of course is not the National Enquirer, and eggs are a major source of this chemical. But what about other studies that exonerate eggs? A meta-analysis of studies that examined the association between egg consumption and stroke and heart disease was recently published in the British Medical Journal. It involved some 474,000 subjects, followed for anywhere from 8 to 22 years and found no association at all between egg consumption and stroke or heart disease, even when an egg was eaten every day. Perhaps the largest ongoing study of diet and disease, the National Health Nutrition Examination Study in the U.S., actually found an inverse association between egg consumption and stroke. And a study in Japan found that consumption of animal products, including eggs, was associated with reduced risk of death from stroke. Then there is even a study that shows eating eggs leads to the formation of larger, less dense LDL and HDL particles that protect against heart disease. As is apparent, there are always at least two sides to every story, and then there's the truth that lies somewhere in between. And that truth is complicated. Dr. Greger isn't bothered by such conundrums. He isn't interested in whether the egg or the chicken came first. He wants to get rid of both. That's more ideology than science. So I, I continue to look at his videos because, you know, he selects papers that have been peer-reviewed and, and they're important to read. However, I think his view is skewed, and uh, it is not true that um, if you are not a total vegan, then uh, you should be making an appointment with an undertaker. Anyway, that's my view on, uh, on Dr. Greger, and uh, he is indeed uh, uh, prolific with producing these videos, and uh, I don't know what kind of staff uh, he may have, but to produce one of those uh, every day, I, I can tell you, is, is quite a monumental effort, because uh, I know a little bit about producing videos. Anyway, you're listening to The Dr. Joe Show. We're going to check traffic and be right back. Life's Everyday Mystery Solved, The Dr. Joe Show, on CJAD 800. We are born to do science. A baby can do it and so can you. We are born to do science. 
Right, let's go to Basil. Dr. Joe. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm a first-time caller, and I just got to say thank you for your show. It's one of Sunday's uh, special events for me, frankly. I appreciate that. And uh, you were talking about pumps and uh, not needing external uh, energy sources. It's not possible conservation of energy. But such a thing as a ram pump exists, and it uses check valves. doesn't have any external source of power. It gets its power from the movement of the water. It's, it's a, it's well, a okay, How but that... How do we explain that? Well, movement of the water is, of course, a source of energy. I mean, that's how yeah. hydrodynamic uh, 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 power plants work, right? They use exactly. the power to turn yeah. a turbine. What I, I mean, was so thinking about, yeah, while I was waiting on the phone, is, but but it doesn't like in terms of the question. It's a tough question because the external source of energy is the water itself. As opposed to like a pump needing electricity or uh, no, but it's uh, it's it's moving it's moving water. Yes, it has to be moving water. That's the story. It has that to be moving is. water. So moving uh, water, of course, is a source of energy, right? Yeah. Okay, I got it. There it is. The only okay the, the, the source of the power is the movement in the water. It's not the water itself. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Doctor. Okay. Joe. All right. Bye. -bye. Let's bye. Let's go to Robert. Good afternoon, Dr. Joe. Hi. I'm calling about the camel question. Yes, sir. Is it fat? Yes, it is fat. And, of course, the reason I ask that question is because uh, so many people, of course, give the mythical answer that it's water, well, which is, is not. Up, that's what I grew up to believe. But if it's right. fat, how come they don't sag like breasts? How come they don't what? They don't sag like breasts. How come they don't sag to one side, or is there a bone in there? Of oh, sure, sort? sure they do. Sure they do. If you, do, yeah, they do. I, they do. Never, if I've you, if you ever ridden it. a camel, you will see that that they, they, they do go uh, side to side. Uh, but, but there is, uh, there is also muscle tissue in there. Uh, okay, so it's the same it, basic principle yeah. as breasts. Yes, okay. but in any case, you know this. This is. It's a nutritional reserve that they have in there. Right. But they, I think the reason that, uh, you know, the, the story about water is so uh, prevalent is because camels can drink a very impressive amount of, of water and store it. It's just that they don't store it in their hump. But a camel can drink like 80 liters of water in about 10 minutes. Oh, that's, that's very impressive. And also, they don't sweat much, and they produce very little urine. So they can go for a very, very long time without drinking water because they store a lot of water. It's just that they don't do it in their hump. Okay? Oh, uh, uh, very good. Very good. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we've got uh, another question out still uh, ready to be answered. What is the pull of gravity an astronaut on the space station feels relative to what he or she would feel on the surface of the, of the Earth. And uh, so, because we did have this last question answered, I will replace it. Uh, where did we get the expression to bury your head in the sand? So where did we get the expression to bury your head in the sand? If you know the answer to that, you can give us a call at 514-790-0800.
talking about expressions, what about it's as smooth as a baby's behind? And that's the ultimate compliment to the skin. So why is a baby's bottom so silky smooth anyway? Because it hasn't been exposed to the sun. That's why. As we age, our skin gets more and more wrinkly, usually in direct proportion to the amount of time spent in the sun. Photoaging is the direct cause of many a fine wrinkle. Can we do anything about these telltale signs of advancing age? Maybe. Maybe we can learn something from Cleopatra, the French aristocrats, and Polynesian women. Cleopatra used to bathe, so the legend goes in donkey's milk. This may not have been as nonsensical as it sounds, providing the milk was sour. For spoiled milk contains lactic acid, a substance which, according to recent research, may actually erase some wrinkles. Lactic acid is part of a family of compounds called alpha-hydroxy acids, which can peel away the top layers of the skin, exposing the fresh, younger skin below. Tartaric acid found in wine serves the same purpose, thereby perhaps explaining the 18th century French courtesans penchant for bathing in Chablis. Sugarcane also contains an alpha-hydroxy acid called glycolic acid. Could this then be the reason for the age-old Polynesian practice of rubbing the skin with sugarcane? Alpha-hydroxy acids have already been incorporated into commercial creams. Neostrata, for example, contains 8% glycolic acid. A number of people have reported success in erasing fine wrinkles with this product after a few months of daily treatment. Alpha-hydroxy acids are non-toxic and furthermore do not sensitize the skin to sunlight like Retin-A does. And that is a very effective wrinkle-removing product. Uh, there are suggestions that alpha-hydroxy acids actually work best in combination with Retin-A. The latest alpha-hydroxy acid to be tested is ammonium lactate, which is already available as lachydrin. And there are some double-blind studies that have shown this product to be effective against photodamaged wrinkles in as little as a month. The effect will last only as long as the product is being used. Nevertheless, it may be worthwhile to ask your dermatologist about the use of alpha-hydroxy acids. Then ask him or her what the molecular structure of an alpha-hydroxy acid looks like. See if they remember their organic chemistry. After all, their practice is built upon it. So this may add a new wrinkle to your life. All right. Uh, so we've... Uh, learned a fair amount today, I hope. Some of the silliness that is out there about uh, uh, the vaccine and this absurdity that it makes you magnetic. Uh, you, have, you have to remember also that the body already contains uh, substances that could be attracted to a magnet. Uh, we have about three and a half grams of iron in our body. And yet, of course, if you put a magnet next to the body doesn't attract our, the skin. And uh, furthermore, when you go for an MRI, which uh, has a huge, huge magnetic field, and your liver, of course, has a good dose of iron, you go for an MRI, your liver isn't ripped out of your body, is it? And neither is your blood, which also contains red blood cells that contain iron. So there's really a lot of, of nonsense out there with this business of, of becoming human magnets because of, uh, of the vaccine. The vaccine does not contain any magnetic material whatsoever. 
and even it, if it did, the amount would be way too small. Just take take a look at the volume of the vaccine that is injected. It's what is it? It's about half a cc or or so. There's no way that that could have any kind of effect on on uh, on your body once it gets into the uh, circulation, even if it had. Uh, some magnetic material, which of course it, it doesn't. So this is just fear-mongering by these dedicated anti-vax people, and uh, it is really hard to know what makes them tick. Uh, one of the worst ones, I've mentioned this to you before, is Joe Mercola, who has a huge website, and every day he comes out with some nonsense about how the government has been wrong about COVID, about how masks are actually dangerous, about how terrible the vaccines are. Uh, this is a man who should be tried for crimes against humanity. Uh, unfortunately, that is never going to happen. But what has happened is that once again, our hour has flown by. We've had a lot of fun here, and I propose to have some more same time, same station next week. Until then, I'm Joe Schwartz, hoping all the chemistry in your life comes out just right.